The United Soccer Coaches is proud to present the United Soccer Coaches podcast, presented by Team Snap and hosted by veteran soccer broadcaster Dean Linky. That's right, the NSCAA is now the United Soccer Coaches. We aren't changing who we are, just what you call us. Start your free, no-risk trial membership today. Go to unitedsoccercoaches.org slash join today. We unite coaches at every level of the game around the passion of the game. Now, here's our host, Dean Linky. I am Dean Linky, and this is another special edition of our United Soccer Coaches Convention podcast leading up right through the Wednesday of the 2018 United Soccer Coaches Convention in Philadelphia. We've got another massive show coming your way. Last week, Anson Dorrance, one of the two inductees into the United Soccer Coaches Hall of Fame that will happen in Philadelphia at the convention he was on. This week, it's Bruce Arena, five-time national champion at Virginia. Incredible success with Major League Soccer. Amazing success with the U.S. men's national team, including that 2002 World Cup where they were a handball away from making it to the semifinals. Are you kidding me? He's in the Hall of Fame. He kicks off the show. Then Shellis Heinemann, former president of the United Soccer Coaches. He's going to have a session at the convention with Mark Polisic, the father of Christian Polisic. Keep in mind, Shellis Heinemann is the grandfather of Emerson Heinemann, who, like Christian, is getting it done overseas, went over at a young age. We will learn all about what he wants to uncover at that session, and just as important, all about the amazing journey of Shellis Heinemann. It's pretty fascinating. And then Megan Snelling, another member of the United Soccer Coaches 30 Under 30. I like this show. Bruce Arena, Shellis Heinemann, Megan Snelling, coming up next on the United Soccer Coaches Podcast, presented by Team Snap. Does managing your club or league feel like a second job? If so, you might need some help. With Team Snap, you can get it. Their customers save up to 15 hours each week on tasks such as communication, registration, scheduling, and more. Plus, everything you need is online, which means no more trips to the bank, no more lost checks, and no more colossal spreadsheets. Bring your club or league into the 21st century with Team Snap. Go to TeamSnap.com slash NSCAA1. Once again, here's Dean Linky. Bruce Arena's legendary coaching career in soccer began at the University of Virginia in Charlottesville, where he won five national championships in 18 seasons from 1978 to 95 with a 295-59-31 record. With the launch of Major League Soccer in 96, Arena moved into the professional ranks and began an MLS career highlighted by 11 major titles in 14 seasons with five MLS Cup titles and three Supporter Shield trophies, along with the Lamar Hunt U.S. Open Cup, CONCACAF Champions Cup, and Copa Interamericana titles. A three-time MLS Coach of the Year, Arena's 234 wins, including postseason, are second most in the league, only behind Ziggy Schmid. At the international level, Arena has twice served as head coach of the U.S. men's national team from 98 to 2006, and then again, of course, from 2016 to 2017. And his 81 wins are most of any manager in U.S. men's national team history. Arena, who also led the U.S. to the 96 Summer Olympics, guided the USA to a third-place finish at the 1999 FIFA Confederations Cup and the quarterfinals of the 2002 FIFA World Cup, in addition to winning the CONCACAF Gold Cup on three occasions. He was inducted into the National Soccer Hall of Fame in 2010 and is a past recipient of the Werner Fricker Builder Award, the Walt Chiswick Lifetime Achievement Award, and the United Soccer Coaches Letter of Commendation. He... Walks into the Hall of Fame with Anson Dorrance. Anson was on our show last week, and now Bruce Arena joins me now. Thank you. It's great to be with you today, and I, I look forward to the Hall of Fame in, in induction in January. It's going to be quite a thrill for me. Well, you know, Anson said the same thing, which uh, kind of leads us to that first question. Why has the United Soccer Coaches, formerly the NSCAA, been so important to you, Coach? Well, as a young coach in 1979, it was my first opportunity to be part of the coaches' convention, and uh, one of my initial opportunities to start learning as a coach. And uh, uh, the United Soccer Coaches offered great symposiums and uh, different ways of learning, different ways of thinking, and, and sharing with other coaches around the country. So. Uh, on an annual basis, it was a great opportunity for coaches like myself to, to share and learn 
uh, with everyone in our country. So it was simply a great learning experience for me. In your early days, Bruce, who was uh, one or two of your key mentors in the coaching world? Well, w- without a doubt, as, as I as a, as a young coach attempted to build a program at the University of Virginia, uh, I looked up to the programs at Indiana with Jerry Yeagley and at, at Connecticut with Joe Maroney. So I would say as a starting point, uh, those were the two coaches I, I tried to emulate, and I also had great respect for the program that Ibrahim had at Clemson, and certainly Anson at North Carolina, who was uh, doing a marvelous job with the men's program and then took on uh, the challenge of building a women's program there as well. Well, those are great names that you just mentioned, and all of those uh, names are key part of the United Soccer Coaches, so thanks for sharing that. Uh, before we get into this incredible career, talk about the fact that, uh, and everybody knows this, that you coach lacrosse and soccer starting out. What tipped the tip the point to soccer for you, and talk about uh, your background a little bit in lacrosse too, Coach. Well, as a lacrosse player, I, w- I was an All-American at Cornell University. I played with the national team in the World Championships in 1974 and 1978 and played professionally in Montreal, and I believe it was 1975. So I had, I had vast experiences there, and, and, and I also coached at Cornell uh, in, the, in the 70s as well. So as I moved on to Virginia, uh, my position was uh, – a dual position, uh, head soccer coach and assistant lacrosse coach. And after about eight years uh, at Virginia, uh, they gave me the opportunity to move on as just a full-time uh, soccer coach. And from there, we continued to build a program. Yeah, build a program indeed, winning five national championships at Virginia. So many great players, Bruce, during your time with the Cavaliers. But are there four or five or two or three or a couple that kind of rise to the top during your time with Virginia? Well, you know, I, I think when a person like myself has been so fortunate to have success at all different levels with uh, all different teams and programs, you, you hate to single out any particular player, but naturally, uh, I think at Virginia, uh, as you look at the history of our program, uh, people are going to talk about Jeff Gaffney in the early years, then John Harps, Tony Miola, Claudio Reyna, uh, et cetera. And, uh, you know, those are some great players that I think uh, a lot of people to this day still remember those names. But there were so many uh, great players at Virginia that helped us build the program. And then certainly, uh, my experiences with DC United and New York Red Bull and the LA Galaxy and the national team. I've had an opportunity to work with some great players. Yeah, we're kind of going down memory road with you. What do you remember after those 18 seasons with the launch of Major League Soccer about that decision to jump up and join MLS, obviously not too far down the road from Charlottesville with DC United? Well, I remember sitting around for probably about 15 years when there wasn't a professional league in our country at the Division One level. And when the opportunity came, uh, it wasn't an easy decision to, to make the move, but uh, it was an opportunity I, I didn't think I could pass up. And uh, it was an exciting in the early days of MLS where basically no one knew what they were doing, but we somehow managed to maintain uh, the league. And, and to this day, you know, it, it's now on, on, on pretty solid ground and, Hopefully it's going to build into a a great league that can challenge other great leagues in the world. Yeah, that's so well said and on point. Uh, I don't think any of us really did know what we were doing those first few years, and there were some struggles. But, man, when it came down to championship time, it was a full house in New England and a full house the following year at your home stadium, RFK, where you won those first two titles. The weather wasn't great. I had the great honor of actually, uh, because I was with the Colorado Rapids that first year, we finished dead last, and I was the ambassador with your team. So impressed with the way you ran your program. But that was a great way to start, right, winning those first two titles? Oh, clearly, and we had we had some outstanding teams at DC United, and uh, those were three great years for me. And uh, those are very exciting uh, MLS Cup finals in the early years. Okay, so as you already mentioned, you went on and you know had success at New York and LA as well. But somewhere along that uh, ride, you uh, got the call to coach the U.S. national team, 96 Olympics, and a couple World Cup cycles. And what do you remember? Obviously, you've always been a part of U.S. soccer's family. You already mentioned the NSCAA, United Soccer Coaches. But what do you remember about that first opportunity to be the top man for the red, white, and blue, Coach? Well, it was a great challenge, as was the last time around. And, and every 
every job I've taken seems to have been uh, a rebuilding process and, and, and a great challenge. And uh, uh, every time you make a step to the next level, it's increasingly challenging uh, for yourself. And uh, obviously, there are many eyes on you, and they and, and they watch uh, how you go along and, and, and try to move a team forward. So uh, all of those experiences with the national team were great experiences and extremely challenging and obviously everyone's going to always remember the 2002 world cup because of our successes but i think uh the cycle i had in 2006 was a good one and and despite what people think uh we had a a tremendous challenge in this past year and and came real close to pulling off uh you know a, a real difficult situation but fell short so all the experiences i had with the U.S. soccer were challenging, but certainly uh, uh, ones that uh, I cherish and would, would never uh, do anything differently. Let's focus in on that high moment in 2002, though, because I really do remember what uh, was clearly a handball as well to prevent a goal for the USA, which would have changed the dynamic and put the USA in the semifinals for the first ever time. I mean, I think we need to remind people that's how close you were, Coach. You know, uh when you're in this business as long as I've been, uh, there are a lot of plays that could have changed things. Uh, Clint Dempsey hit a hit a post at the end of the game in Trinidad that took us inches away from being in the World Cup. Uh, a handball on the goal line uh, against Germany in the quarterfinals uh, was a big play. That's all part of the game, and uh, unfortunately, uh, people forget those things, and, and rightfully so. They only remember the res- result, but the U.S. is real close to being in the semifinal in, in 2002. That was incredible. And I love the fact uh, that you mentioned this last cycle as well. I thought the, the way you handled the after interviews and everything else was phenomenal. And, Bruce, you're even you're not just there to, to, to go to the convention to collect another Hall of Fame honor. You're going to do a one-on-one session where you'll be able to take questions. Of course, a lot of the questions will be about this last World Cup cycle. And a lot of people could say off for the sunset with your success, Bruce. I mean, financially, everything else you've done, you could just say, you know what, I'm good. But you're coming back. You're going to talk to the coaches and share your experience. Why was that important to you, Coach? I'm very proud of uh, of of the effort we put in this past year and, 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 and want to try to set the record straight. And, you know, I'm also going to have a book coming out in June that's going to explain, uh, you know, part of the challenge this past year, as well as some thoughts I have on the game as, as we move forward and try to continue to build the sport in this country. But uh, I'm not going to hide. Uh, I want to be out there to help continue to build the game in our country. That's well said, and uh, I heard about your book as well. What can you share us about uh, the name of your book and when it's coming out? Because we're happy to promote that, uh, Bruce Arena. Well, the book is going to be called "What's Wrong with Us," and they, you know, the the U.S. is highlighted, obviously, and uh, you know, it's going to it's going to detail my coaching background, my different experiences with the different clubs and teams I've been with, and and some recommendations I have after forty years of coaching and. Uh, it should be an interesting book, uh, a book that I think is uh, is going to be different from what we've seen before for books about soccer in our country. So it's really dedicated to uh, my my coaching education in the United States and the challenges I've had with the different teams and also the recommendations I can uh, make for the sport as we move forward because I think I have experiences and knowledge in the, in the game that very few people have in our country. So it, it, it's been fun to put together, and hopefully uh, uh, people will enjoy it. It's called What's Wrong With Us. And, Coach, when will it come out? I believe it's going to come out late May or June. Late May or June. Certainly look forward to that as well. Look forward to your one-on-one. And then on Friday night, uh, on what is always a well-attended event, usually one to 2,000 coaches and a lot of history in that room. You know it well, having been there several times, you will be inducted into the United Soccer Coaches Hall of Fame. We talked about the fact that uh, you've been in other Hall of Fames, but uh, you know, you'll have your family there, I'm sure, Coach, and anytime you get recognized for your achievements, it's special, but uh, as we started this show, this one perhaps extra special. It is because uh, you're recognized by your peers, and I think it's a fantastic honor, and uh, it also brings me uh, full circle uh, over 40 years. So uh, that's an exciting moment for me and uh, a great honor. 
One of the questions you're also going to get uh, even uh, after your Hall of Fame and at your one-on-one and just walking down the halls at the convention in Philadelphia is, is what's next for Bruce Arena. What is next for Bruce Arena? Well, I don't know the answer to that question, but I think uh, I'm a valuable resource in the game, and uh, I'm very confident I can help any uh, federation, any league, any club in in this country to, to be better. And uh, uh, my services are going to be available. I don't know exactly uh, what challenge I'll take on next, but uh, I'm looking forward to continue to work in the game. Uh, so love hearing that because we love having you in the game, and obviously your success also reaps the rewards, and that'll be on that Friday night of the 2018 United Soccer Coaches Convention in Philadelphia. Bruce Arena, thanks for all you've done for the game, really at every single level, which is what the United Soccer Coaches is all about and a key reason they changed their name, right? And you've done it at every level, Coach. Congratulations on being inducted into the Hall of Fame, and we will see you in Philadelphia. Well, thank you. I look forward to seeing everyone in Philadelphia. Bruce Arena, a true legend of the game. Shellis Heinemann, also a true legend of the game and a long time, long time staff coach, former president with the United Soccer Coaches. It's Shellis Heinemann coming up next. Looking for ways to improve your training sessions? Quick Goal has supplied the highest quality soccer goals, seating, field, and training equipment for over 30 years. From backyards to the world's greatest pitches, Quick Goal has products essential for every level of the game. As an official partner to the United Soccer Coaches and technical partner to U.S. Soccer, Quick Goal knows what equipment you need to take your game to the next level. Visit quickgoal.com to satisfy all your equipment needs. Welcome back to the United Soccer Coaches Podcast, special convention episodes right up through the convention in Philadelphia that third week of January. I cannot wait. And boy, from one legend of the game, Bruce Arena, kicking off to the show to another legend of the game, like Bruce at all levels, talking about Shellis Heinemann, the legend indeed, such success at the college game, also at the pro game, spent time down in Brazil, his story of a refugee that came over and started off in Ohio, his story is fascinating, but here's the thing, he's even a greater person, when you meet him, you love him, Shellis, thanks for being on the program. Yeah, it is definitely my pleasure, and uh, thank you for the kind words. Oh, yeah, indeed. And obviously, first off, let's talk about this Hall of Fame class. Anson Dorrance was on last week. Bruce Arena just got done. Two more outstanding members going into the Hall of Fame Friday night at the convention, Shellis. Mm. Well, you know what? I think it's I think it's, uh, it's a tribute to everything that they've done in their careers. It's, uh, uh, it's a life of soccer. It's a life of passion, and, and it's a life of glory. And uh, I'm, I'm proud of them. Well, let's talk a little bit also about your story and your path, and then we'll get to the session that you're going to do with Mark Polisic, Christian's dad at the convention. It's one-on-one with Mark Polisic. You'll be there with him, which will also help as you talk about your grandson, Emerson. We'll get to that as well. But what do you remember about uh, being a refugee? How old were you when you ended up in Ohio? It's fascinating, Shellis. Yeah, you know, we came from a country called Macau. Well, Macau, China, which is a Portuguese colony, and, and I was born in 1949. Same time Mao Zedong took over China, and uh, my family were in Shanghai, and they moved to Macau. My grandmother was Portuguese, so uh, we got on a, a Catholic church, put us on a boat. We got on the boat, and we, came, we ended up in, uh, on dock in Hawaii, and then came to uh, camp, and then uh, came to Springfield, Ohio. And from Springfield, Ohio, we moved to Dayton, Ohio, really a suburb called Vandalia, uh, my cousin, Pat D'Souza, um, was playing on a men's club team called Date Native Ice, and I started playing with them when I was 15, 16. And um, from there, you know, I just absolutely fell in love with the game of soccer. I did sports in high school. I did, you know, cross country. I did track. I did football. But this was a game I just fell in love with. Uh, you know, it's just, it, it, it just, it's hard to really explain why you fall in love with one sport over another sport. But um, I just uh, I just did, and then um, fortunate enough to get a scholarship to Eastern Illinois. Then I uh, got a master's at Murray State University, and then went to Brazil for two years, and then was back on vacation really. And and my uh, my coach at Eastern Illinois said, "Hi, how about being an assistant coach?" 
So I, I did that for a year and then became a head coach, and that started my career in coaching. In Eastern Illinois, that's um, Tony Romo, right? Isn't that uh, where he played quarterback? Yeah, yeah, he did, and he, he's probably the most uh, famous one of of recent. But, you know, there were uh, others like Mike Shanahan, you know, who was one of my classmates. So there's it really developed some great coaches um, that, that have been uh, very successful and and mostly in the football environment. You got the opportunity to be an assistant coach and then talk about, uh, you know, being vaulted up to a head coach. I think it was at your alma mater first, right, before going to SMU? Yes, it was. It was at Eastern Illinois. I coached there for seven years. Uh, we made the transitions from Division Two to Division One. We were uh, twice in the Final Four in Division Two. In the first year, 1981, we were, we were – uh, full-fledged Division One, and uh, uh, interesting enough, we made it to the Final Four as well out in Stanford. Well, and then at SMU, you were there for such a long time, 83, I think, to 2006, mm-hmm. and I think almost 10 Elite Eights. Isn't that right? I mean, just about 10 of them, right? Yeah, you know, I, I don't really keep track of that, but I know <laughs> it was a successful program. I believe I was there for 24 years. The 23 of the 24 years, we were fortunate enough to get into the NCAA tournament. We went, you know, pretty deep in the tournament. I think we were in the Final Four twice. Um, But, you know, what? uh, all that success and, you know, know, my passion in the game and my desire to find success, I mean, all that success really came through with players. I mean, the players were, you know, they're they're my best friends. They're my greatest memories, you know. Uh, They were outstanding. And we, you know, I can still think back to my early days at Eastern Illinois, those players, and I still hear from them. You know, a lot of them have gone on and done extremely well, surprisingly how many of them gone on and became coaches, you know, so uh, so we stay in contact. All right, well, you're doing fine there at SMU, right? Uh, you talked about those 24 years, and uh, it's interesting. We had Bruce Arena on, who had 18 years at Virginia. He won those five national mm-hmm. championships, and he said he was basically sitting around waiting for that pro league to get going. Well, you kept coaching, but then you saw how Major League Soccer was doing. Bruce joined it when we didn't know what we were doing at Major League Soccer. I worked there, and I can tell you I didn't know what I was doing. You joined <laughs> when they did know what they were doing. Talk about that decision. That was a big, big decision to go to MLS. Yes, it was. You know, I had previous opportunities, and I always said no. And uh, I love my job at, at at SMU. I love the people I worked with. I mean, I lived a block and a half away from campus. I mean, I had probably the easiest life of of anybody I know of. You know, I was making good money. I had a great camp. Um, you know, I put all the work that I put into it was really was really paying back to me with not only the success on the field, but some great kids that I was involved with in coaching and mentoring. And then uh, the revenue was good. Uh, life was great. And then, um, and then they made a change with uh, FC Dallas and Clark Hunt, who, who had played for me. In fact, he was one of my captains of my team. As I said, I was, I was given opportunities in the past, but it was just never right. And uh, this, this seemed to be the right time. I thought I could be of help. And I think I was, you know, um, so I took the job at, at FC Dallas. I didn't have to move out of town. I didn't have to move out of my house. I still had all my friends and relationships. It was just that I was traveling to a, to a different practice field. And uh, I, uh, I was there for five and a half years, and I truly, truly enjoyed it. You know, there were some difficult times, like any coach would tell you. You know, sometimes the media were great to you. Sometimes the media was ruined to you. Uh, they were hard on you. And the people who say, you know, hey, don't pay attention to it. You know, as a human being, you pay attention to it, you know. Um, uh, but I think I did a good job. I think it's I, I built the program to to um, a higher level. I was, I was glad to see Oscar Pereira come in. He, I mean, he, he's done a fantastic job with it. A lot of people don't know, but he was a, my assistant for one year. And um, I'm really proud of him. Uh, we brought in Fernando Clavijo, uh, who has done a great job in getting players. You know, without players, you don't find success. So I'm, I'm happy with it. You know, there were some difficulties there, and uh, those difficulties were out of my control. So um, it was time to, to to move on. More work to do, right? Because uh, you decided to get back in the college game where – 
Interestingly enough, among active coaches, I believe you're number two right now. Mark Burson may be like 14 wins ahead of you, and you've had some epic battles against Mark Burson. In fact, I remember on the Fox Soccer Game of the Week, right, Shellis? You were in South Carolina at the Graveyard for a great game. So you and Mark, uh, the two active coaching leaders, and and now that uh, smiling Bob Warming has stepped down as well, he won't be chasing you guys down. So how's it going there? You know, Mark is a fantastic coach, and uh, he's been in it for, for a lifetime as well. I, I think uh, I think I'm probably further down than number two, uh, because you know I, what I did was I took uh, uh, six years away from the college game. I think at one time I was number two, and and uh, but for six years I let these 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 bastards catch up to me. <laughs> so uh, so, uh, so now I'm I'm looking up at them. But uh, Mark's been fantastic. I I do remember that game as well. Um, but you know what. Uh, uh, I said to my wife when I when I was no longer at FC Dallas, I said I need just one calendar year. I need one calendar year of doing nothing, because I'll tell you, people who who coach the game from the stands or coach the game from their from the bars or from their from their chairs, you know, they have no idea of how difficult of a job this is. You know, they're. I mean, if I had to put a job description together of what coaching in the MLS is, is there's probably 50 to 75 things that I say that we're responsible for. And, um, and you know, dealing with, um, with players, international level players, dealing with the travel, dealing with the intensity of the league, and, and it's only getting better and better, dealing with uh, ownership, management. You know, there were so many things involved. And uh, so I said to my wife, I need one year to just recover. And I worked out twice a day. I, te- I always tease people. They say, wow, you look great. Why do you work out so much? And I always tease them saying, I want to have the best body in the cemetery, you know, because I just kept on working and I had a focus of what I wanted to do. After that year, um, Grand Canyon University contacted me. I thought this was a great opportunity. Uh, it was an opportunity to go to a program that was building a $10 million soccer stadium. Uh, it was a going to a program that was very, very aggressive. A lot of positive things there. Brian Mueller, the president, is outstanding. I work with a guy named Mike Boff, the athletic director, who I knew from Southern Methodist University that is, that is very, very high on my list as far as good person, high level of, of integrity. And we don't have football, so soccer was our main sport. So uh, I've done that for three years, and we're building the program uh, as we hope it w- would be done. One more thing before we get to your session in Philadelphia, which is one of the key reasons we want to have you on, but your career is so fascinating. I think it's worth listening to as well. You actually, um, you're fully invested in the NSCA, now United Soccer Coaches, serving as president back in 2005. You've been involved with the organization forever. It means so much to you, doesn't it, Shellis? It really does. Uh, probably 40 years involved in the, in the SCA. Um, uh, I think I, when I started coaching in in 1976, maybe 77, I became a member, and um, I had no idea that this this organization was out there for coaches and players and organizations. And I have absolutely felt like this is one of the pride and joys of my life to be involved in such a rich, such a high level integrity program that is interested in in the development of of people, coaches, and uh, the sport of soccer. So uh, I'm still very much invested in it, involved in coaching education, and, and whenever something is is needed, I'm, I'm one of the people they can count on. So you're usually out on the field doing mm-hmm. sessions and multiple things. This year, you've got this special one-on-one with Mark Polisic, the father of Christian Polisic, the wonder boy, as Alexi Lalas calls him. And man, is he fantastic with uh, even bigger things perhaps happening to him very, very soon. I can't wait for that session, right? Because he's going to talk about how he built his son up to this level, right? And and then you'll also be able to share a little bit about what you saw with your grandson, Emerson, who's mm. also overseas. Tell us what uh, your focus is as you sit down with Mark Polisic at the convention. It's going to be great, Shellis. Yeah, it is going to be great. Um, when, when I was called if I would be a part of this, I, I, I absolutely said yes. Um, it will be a great session. I think... I think what we all want to know is is we all we're, we're all parents and uh we all have a, a what we consider a gifted son and um uh a gifted daughter how how does something like this work because the the chances of it working really is greater fa- opportunity for failure than success and what Christian has been able to prove is that he's special 
And uh, that special development didn't just happen when he went to Germany. That special development probably happened when he was four or five years old. And his father was, was passionate about the game, and it was, it was the life of the house. And Christian grew up in that environment, and, and, and the sacrifices that their parents had to make. Because, you know, it's one thing, and I know this firsthand, I, 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 it's one thing to send your son to Europe. But it's another thing to set him at 14 years of age and to be um, dislocated from him, not to be involved in his daily life, not to you know, go to prom, not to do the regular high school, not to do the regular things the United States says kids do. And there's a lot, a lot of sacrifices that we're not aware of. So I want to bring that kind of information out. I also want to bring out uh, the information of the pride and joy that, the, that, that Mark has and at what age did he see that his son was special and how he was willing to risk everything to say, this is where my son's going to be now. It turned out wonderful. You know, it's interesting. Um, when I was in the MLS, I remember this clearly. We were in Florida. Don Garber made a comment to all the coaches, and his comment was, when will the U.S. develop an international player? That is a super player. Mm. And, of course, Landon was the player that we all looked at and said, well, well, we got a player named Landon Donovan. You know, he's recognized internationally. And then, uh, and then this young man comes along at a very young age. And now, in, and I think, um, I think he's right. He is the wonder boy. He's the model for us. And, and I hope that uh, this session can touch on a lot of personal things and how much sacrifice is both Christian and, and Mark and his and his wife had to make for for their son to find this type of success. Yeah, remind us at fourteen where he first went. He ended up in Dortmund and uh, yep. as a young player, and uh, and there they recognized him. You know, as a young player, they probably did what they did with Emerson, offer him opportunities, and you know. People won't admit this, but there's always sidebars to to encourage you to do it, even though they can't sign you. Uh, but the, they saw something in him, and boy, when he when he started getting the first team games and he was holding his own, and then I, I remember when he did not play against that first game against uh, Real Madrid, and everyone, all of us here in the country, going, "That's a bunch of crap. He should have been out there." Mm-hmm. And then the last time he played, he might have been the man of the match board in Dortmund, you know. And uh, so I, I just see nothing but positive, positive things for him and for U.S. soccer. And relating that to your grandson, Emerson, you know, the same sort of sacrifice, right? What do you remember about uh, talking to your son about uh, and making the decisions for Emerson, Shellis? Well, well, you know, we had a real good friend named Kenny Cooper in Dallas. And Kenny Cooper saw, saw an interest in, uh, in Emerson. He saw a high-level player. A man named Dennis Wise, who was the general director, uh, president of uh, Newcastle, brought him over at age 12. We, we we all went over there. It was an interesting environment. Um, they they wanted him, to, you know, to stay on as an academy player uh, at 12. That's a little bit too young. So for the next two years, Emerson and his family went all all over Europe. There, they were in Spain, uh, they were in England. You know, they were in a lot of different places, getting a chance to expose himself, and some teams want him, Portugal, Lisboa, you know, I mean, there was a lot of nice opportunity for him. Uh, when he turned, on the verge of turning 15, he decided he was going to go to Fulham. And the reason he chose Fulham over Liverpool was that um, uh, the, the scout, the head scout, had just made a move from Liverpool to Fulham. First call he made was Emerson, said maybe you ought to come and look at us. He did, and, and there was one person there that he knew and he felt comfortable going in that direction. And that's when uh, Clint Dempsey was there. So, And Clint came out of Dallas, so we knew each other in many circles. And, uh, and he, he did very well there. He made um, a jump to the Premier League at Boardmouth. He's yet to play for Boardmouth. And I, I think that's been extremely, extremely difficult and frustrating for him. I think he's uh, uh, a very good player in uh, last January, he got loaned out to Rangers, where he did extremely well, Young Player of the Year award, and I, I, you know, I think he may get loaned out again this year. But, um, but uh, a difficult life. I mean, imagine living in a 
in, a, in, in the bottom of a basement when you're 15 years old with no, <laughs> no Internet. Uh, all you get is a bed and uh, meals, and it's a boarding home, and uh, getting sick a lot because of the weather. And uh, finally he got an apartment and living in his own apartment at 16 years of age. Wow. With a lot of growing up at a very, very young age and giving up a lot. And I think that's where he and Christian probably have a lot of similarities. Giving up a lot, learning, you know, even though it's English, it's a different type of English. And, um, and uh, I will say this, the, the American player has the, has the cards against them. You know, when, you, when you're coming into a professional environment and you're an American player that, that a country that never really developed any international stars uh, and you're competing for positions, it's not an easy road for you. And uh, Emerson found a way to get through it. Obviously, Christian's found a way to get through it. And we have other players over there that are they're banging their heads up against the wall and, and trying to find success as well. What a great breakdown, and that is why you do not want to miss the session. Check your schedule for the United Soccer Coaches Convention. It'll be Shellis Heinemann along with Mark Polisic. What a great one-on-one it will be. That's going to be packed, Shellis, for sure, and it'll be fantastic. Last thing I want to spend time with you on is you talked mm. about uh, your decision to go to Grand Canyon and to stay healthy. Well, you're always going to be healthy. I understand you are a 10th degree black belt, right? Tell us a little bit about that as we wrap up the interview. That's pretty amazing. I am a 10th degree black belt. I'm real proud of that. Um, I try not to talk about it too much, but I will say this. When I was in China, I was a blue-eyed, blonde-haired kid in uh, in, a, in Macau where we had maybe a, a million Orientals and uh, maybe 5,000 Portuguese. Life was not very easy on the streets. Um, and when we so my father had me training with a, with a legendary martial artist uh, for a couple of years. And then when I came to the United States, uh, I continued to train. Fortunate enough to, to hook up with some grandmasters and uh, continue to progress. Uh, been very involved with the military, been very involved with the SWAT team, you know, training at a dojo and many, many years in Dallas. I, I still work out on a daily basis. I think it. I think it helped me in my soccer coaching by uh, developing mental strength, and hopefully, that mental strength has been able to also carry over to players. Um, I look at life a little bit differently, um, but I'm, I'm I'm real proud of of the years that I put into it, which is over 40, and um, I'm uh, I'm not excited about the bumps and bruises and injuries that went through, but but I think I'm a better person because of it. Outstanding. Fascinating man. Fascinating coach. And it'll be a fascinating session with Shellis Hyman and Mark Polisic at the 2018 convention. Shellis, Happy New Year to you. Good luck at Grand Canyon. And we will see you in Philadelphia with bells on, okay? Yes, absolutely. Happy New Year to everyone. And um, it will be a fantastic session. Thanks for the call. Are you kidding me, folks? Shellis Hyman going to sit down with Mark Polisic at the 2018 convention. I can't wait. What more can I say? Speaking of not waiting, Megan Snelling is another member of our 30 Under 30 class, and she wraps up the show when we come back. Still managing your club or league on paper and spreadsheets? Go paperless with Team Snap. Their customers save up to 15 hours each week on communication, registration, scheduling, and more. Plus, they have way fewer paper cuts. Bring your club or league into the 21st century with Team Snap. Go to TeamSnap.com to learn more. Once again, here's your host, Dean Linky. Welcome back to the United Soccer Coaches Podcast, and Happy New Year to everybody. want to thank the legendary Bruce Arena. He, along with Anson Dorrance, will be inducted into the United Soccer Coaches Hall of Fame. He kicked off the show. Shellis Heinemann, the great coach, uh, coached at Dallas for Major League Soccer, coached at SMU. He's coached everywhere. He's a legend, eager to take in all of the activity at the convention. Our, our fond members of the United Soccer Coaches 30 Under 30, we're back to work with another 30 Under 30 superstar. Remember, that's 15 men, 15 women under the age of 30 doing great things around the passion and love of the game of soccer. No different with our guest today, Megan Snelling, who is the assistant coach for the University of Louisiana Monroe, the Warhawks down in Louisiana. And uh, she's an assistant coach with their women's program. Megan Snelling, thanks for being with us. Thanks for having me, Dean. All right. Most importantly, 
Megan Snelling, I'm not sure if she's changing her name or not, but she's getting married in June, and it's heavy prep time right now, right? Congratulations on the impending uh, nuptials, and tell us uh, all about uh, what's going on with that. Thank you. Yeah. Um, no, I mean, I've taken a little advantage of the debt period this year with Division One um, recruiting time. So, yeah, I've kind of caught up on all my, all my wedding planning um, that I can get done right now, and you know, dead period ends here soon, so I'll be jumping back on the recruiting trail and getting back after that with Yola. Uh, the lucky young man, what's his name? What's he do? His name is Logan, and uh, he is in med school right now, so uh, he's pretty busy. He's He's kind of a genius. Um, I like to brag about that. Um, parents are pretty proud. He's uh, working hard in med school over in Mississippi. Will you change your name, Megan? <laughs> I will be. I just don't know uh, if people will be able to pronounce it once they see how it's spelled. Uh, get- <laughs> it should be interesting uh, when they see my name recruiting. I don't think they'll. I don't think recruits will know how to say it. Well, my new last name will be Swallow, but it's spelled S-O-I-L-E-A-U. So it looks like Foulet. No way. Okay, so Megan Swallow. Yeah. What uh, what ethnicity is that? That's interesting. It's Cajun French. There you go. Cajun French yeah. right down there in the south, Louisiana. I love that. And I know you Absolutely. met him yeah, at McNeese State. Alright, let's get to know you a little bit. Uh, as uh, we understand, you grew up in Cyphers, just outside of Houston, and uh, you were a goalkeeper and a center back. You played both. Talk about your youth career, Megan. Yeah. A lot of fun, a lot of traveling and playing on the weekends and things like that. I played for Challenge Soccer Club under Pat O'Toole, and one of my absolute favorite coaches I've ever played for was Sandy Davison, who's over at Washington State right now, the assistant over there. And she, you know, she kind of raised me um, when I was really young on the fields and taught me to be, you know, a tough girl and uh, get after it. Um, when it comes to the tactical game and understanding. So, um, you know, I enjoyed it. I grew up and played all my career for Challenge. Really enjoyed it. Uh, I got to play high school and whatnot. But, uh, yeah, you know, just kind of your your typical raising up and, and youth soccer here in the United States. Nothing too fancy. Well, collegially, you went your first year at FIU. You helped the team become the 2009 Sunbelt regular season champs, recruited to play both goalkeeper and center back. You just don't see that hardly ever. But then you transferred to McNeese State, a little closer to home, where you were awarded all Southland Conference honorable mention as a defender. Talk about you know going through that process, one year at FIU and then the transfer. You know, I fell in love with FIU really quick in my recruiting process. And, you know, as anyone, any parent would, would hope is that you take your time. And, and I did. I went through a couple extra visits with other schools, but it just felt right. You know, I love the team. I love the atmosphere. You know, I love the opportunities that it gave me there in Miami. But unfortunately, through canceled majors, an injury that I I took on with my ankle. I transferred a little bit closer to home and and found a fit that I knew the majors would stay in the kinesiology realm and I would have a great chance of playing. And that's where McNeese State came up. And, you know, honestly, it's my home away from home. I love Lake Charles, Louisiana. It clicked instantly um, with me and the team and uh, just the coaching staff and and just the environment and the people around Lake Charles. When I transferred over, it was more of a permanent thing that I would stay on defense, which is great. Um, clicked in really well, both at center back, um, and I dabbled a little bit in the outside back role. I'm not the fastest player out there, so it didn't it didn't stick long. Um, but yeah, enjoyed it and um, had a couple great seasons there. Definitely, definitely cherish my time over at McNeese. It's it's. Uh, where I made those lifelong friends that um, I'm sticking to, especially with uh, Sarah Loudon, another 30 under 30 classmate of mine right now. I played with her at McNeese State, so it's fun being in the coaching world with her now. Oh, yeah, enjoyed my visit with uh, Coach Loudon for sure. And, boy, I'll tell you what, uh, you mentioned the fact that Logan Swallow, your fiancé, is pretty smart, but uh, let's also recognize that you earned your bachelor's degree in health and human performance and then your master's degree in exercise physiology from McNeese State. Your master's with a 4.0 GPA, folks, and she worked as a graduate assistant for the McNeese Athletic Directors and Faculty Athletic Rep. So you were getting it done. I mean, that's pretty solid. You're, you're no slouch yourself in the classroom. <laughs> yeah, he's, 
he's a bit more of a nerd than I am. Um, I, I definitely don't understand some of the things he brings home from med school. Uh, I can't even read half of it. But, um, no, I think a lot of pride in, in the work I did in, my, in the classroom. And, um, you know, I, I try to bring that to my team right now at ULM um, or any, you know, any team I've coached. I, I've, I've really taken pride in that and, and hoping uh, the student-athletes that I've coached um, – Definitely, I'm, I'm, I'm not, not incredibly smart, but I definitely worked hard. Um, and it's something that no one can take away from you. Um, any type of education you get or any time you take, uh, take a moment to learn about something, that's, you have that forever. So uh, thank you. I appreciate it. I, just, uh, I, definitely, I definitely take a lot of pride in, in the work I've done in school. Well, as soon as you got to McNee, that coaching bug hit you because you got involved even as a sophomore. So your first year at Lake Charles coaching a high school in Lake Charles. So you knew right away, even while you were still a student, that you wanted to be a coach. Yeah, yeah. I originally went to school for physical therapy. And although I enjoyed it, I, I, I did a few internships and, what, and whatnot in it. Um, the the competitive environment is what grabs me. And, and I just I took off from there. Um, I coached at Barb High School in Lake Charles. It's uh, the biggest high school in the state of Louisiana. Um, so it brought some challenges. Our first year, we had about 63 girls on the full roster from freshmen to varsity. And, yeah, it brought me some new challenges. Soccer wasn't very big here, and it's done a great job in the past couple of years of really developing and growing and spreading its wings a little bit on exposing themselves to harder competition, but I enjoyed it. I, I stayed four years with Barb, um, and we we went from very low in the state ranking to up in the top 15 um, by the time I left. So definitely, it, I think that's what really sparked my love for coaching, and I didn't want to let it go um, once I started. So I, I definitely have a, I cherish my, my girls from Barb that uh, kind of started my coaching career. Well, and before joining the ULM Warhawks as an assistant coach, you served six years in coaching uh, with, at the Division One and Division Two levels as well, and that included some time at Converse College. Tell us uh, what you did there. Yeah, Converse College, it was a great experience. A Division Two school up in the Conference of Carolinas, up in South Carolina, and, um, yeah, I was the assistant coach for the NCAA team, um, served as director of recruiting and kind of defensive schemes coach, just kind of did a lot of tactical awareness with the girls um, and things like that, um, as well as I was the head coach for the reserve squad, kind of a JV squad, for lack of better words. And, um, you know, it was, a, it was a great opportunity for me to kind of find a new style for me or um, – you know, kind of my own thoughts and ideas when it came to coaching in college. I got to coach against other colleges. We had our own little reserve league, and, you know, the girls did fantastic. We only lost one game in the inaugural reserve season, and um, it really kind of challenged me to, to have my own thoughts on the field and give me something to strive for for myself, you know, in the future um, as a head coach. But, um, but, yeah, I learned a lot under Rick Parlow. He was a great mentor. We had a great number of laughs. Uh, he's a guy that really knows and understands soccer, and he can still make it absolutely fun. doesn't make it a, a necessarily one of those jobs where you're, you're dragging to get there. You're excited to go to work every day, um, interested to see what kind of laughs you're going to get that day. Well, now you're part of an all-female coaching staff, which is pretty exciting to see because, quite frankly, you don't see enough of that even at the women's Division One game. But you're there with Coach Wheelock and an all-female mm-hmm. staff, right? Talk about uh, the call from Coach Wheelock to go to Monroe. Absolutely. Um, I remember I was visiting home that day um, with my parents, and she called me after a few of our interviews and talking on the phone and, and told me I got the job, and I was absolutely pumped. Obviously, I fell in love with Louisiana. Um, it, it's such a such good vibe uh, vibes when you come down here in the Southern State. Um, everyone's always having a, a good time, and everyone's kind of relaxed. And uh, just being able to come back a little bit closer to home, come back to the South, uh, closer to Logan and whatnot. Uh, it was just it was a perfect fit. Uh, 
ULM. We played them every year uh, when I was at McNeese, so I was familiar with the team and the environment that they already had. Um, Keaton is an excellent coach to work for, kind of a great teammate to be um, to be on the coaching staff with. You know, she came from South Alabama, who's been killing it these past couple of years, and she she learned under Grant Wingler. I just learning from her and seeing kind of a new side of the tactical game. And how she breaks it down, it's just been, it's been fantastic. Every minute of it has been. Well, and uh, fast forward to today, you're a member now of the United Soccer Coaches 30 Under 30. The convention will be in Philadelphia that third week of January. All kinds of great activity going on as well. And you'll meet uh, pretty Mm -hmm. much all of the 30 Under 30 members. What are you most looking forward to as you think about the convention and seeing the entire crew for the 30 Under 30? I'm pumped. You know, I, I've only kind of gotten to know a few of them just through, uh, like, Facebook or some online chats that we've been doing uh, for different assignments. And, you know, I'm pumped just to get to know them, get to know their stories, and kind of just have another person in the coaching world that can go to at any time and say, hey, what do you think about this? And, and just get their thoughts and, and ideas. I I think that's, that's something that... Um, a lot of times we take for granted in, in the coaching world because although we coach, you know, in different states, we forget how much uh, knowledge we can share amongst each other. I mean, we're always we're always in it to win, but at the same time, there's so much to share and so much to grow. I'm just fun to learn from them and uh, get to know them and, you know, make some new friends. All right. Uh, well, we know you've got a big wedding coming up as well. Congratulations on that. And as you think Thank about you. Uh, building your future with your husband-to-be, where do you think you'll be in 10 years from now, Megan? Oh, Lord. Um, I'm not sure. I'm, you know, I'm kind of taking it as it comes. And one step at a time, I would love to be a head coach in my future at any level. You know, kind of take a team under my reins and, and – see what I can do with them but right now I'm just I'm really enjoying the time coaching and you know maybe wherever Logan ends up practicing doing doing all his doctor stuff hopefully I can I can work out a job there and and have a nice little setup as well right now I'm just enjoying the opportunity to learn from from other coaches all right Megan Snelling that'll still be her name when you see her at the convention hope to see you there as well (laughs) particularly on the awards banquet night please come up and say hello. Congratulations on all your success and your impending nuptials, and uh, Happy New Year to you. Thanks for being on the program. (laughs) Thanks, Dean. Happy New Year. Thank you, Megan Snelling. I want to thank Bruce Arena going into the United Soccer Coaches Hall of Fame with Anson Dorrance, and also the legendary Shellis Hyman is going to have that great session with Mark Polisic, the father of Christian Polisic, at the 2018 United Soccer Coaches Convention in Philadelphia. I want to thank all the great members at the United Soccer Coaches, especially Kurt Austin and Ashley Goodrich, the whole gang. For everybody, I'm Dean Linky. Happy New Year. We'll see you next week. The NSCAA is now United Soccer Coaches. We help you develop into better coaches so you can develop better players. We aren't changing who we are, just what you call us. Go to unitedsoccercoaches.org slash join today.